0: Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and since Carly and Morgan aren't able to join me for this episode, I thought I'd bring back a familiar voice to longtime listeners of this podcast. With me to talk about the season three episode titled "Triggers" is Supergirl Radio co-founder and former co-host. Teresa Jacino. Hi, thank you so much for having me back. Yeah, it, it feels a little different with you back uh, because not only are you a guest, you used to do the intro Yeah. <laughs> uh, when, when you were on Supergirl Radio. So it's a little bit different. It was a little flip-flopped. It's true. I'm not used to being quiet this long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am really psyched to hear your thoughts because it's, it's been too long. It's been too long since you came back. Uh, we, we've missed a whole season of your thoughts but I'm excited to hear what you have to, to say about season three so far and what, what you think of the show as it has progressed. Um, so, well, we don't have any news. Um, but if we did, if, if uh, you're new to Supergirl Radio, if we did have news, the voice you hear with the typewriter is... Is Teresa Giacino. That's right. I forgot about that. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I live on. Yeah, your your DNA is still within the podcast, even though you're not uh, a full time co host anymore. So if anybody was wondering who who that lady was when when we uh, introduced <laughs> the news, it's Teresa. Uh, so she's uh, still in the spirit of the podcast. Uh, even when you can't join us. Um, but so since we don't have any news, let's get straight to talking about uh, Supergirl Season 3 and the episode titled Triggers. Uh, the official description says, "Sai guest star Yael Grobgloss, a thief with psychic powers, attacks National City. Able to immobilize people by tapping into their worst fears, Psy proves a formidable opponent for Supergirl. Meanwhile, James and Lena are at an impasse and Samantha starts her new job at L Corp. Oh, lots of lots of things, lots of things happening. Um so the big thing that I was really excited about with this episode was our introduction to Sai. This character has become one of my favorite characters in the Supergirl mythos. She is a genuine supergirl villain and she's been very cool throughout the the different comic book incarnations particularly with the adventures of supergirl run by sterling gates which is my favorite version of her but we've never seen her in live action so Teresa, what did you think about getting to see psy on the small screen
1: oh my gosh i loved it and and it's true she's one of the best you know supergirl villains that is out there um and it's it's really interesting when you have a, a villain like her that's um, obviously Supergirl is so strong and so capable. And it would take someone like Sai to be like the one type of villain that she can't easily dispatch, you know, because she gets in her head. And yes. as strong as Kara is, she still has feelings. She still has, you know, a past she has to deal with. She still has thoughts the way everybody does. And if anybody... Could come close to taking Supergirl down. It would be somebody like Sai, and I, I loved her, and I love uh, Yael Groblas, <laughs> Um It's a hard she, name to say. It's a hard, it's, it's two G's. Um, <laughs> no, I, I do love her. I'm a big fan of uh, Jane the Virgin, so I was familiar uh, with her from that, and it. I mean, I thought she really brought the villain. Um, she was she was compelling from like the second she's on screen. It's like you see her face and it's kind of both, she's got that villainous thing going on, but she also had this weird kind of playfulness about her. Like she's like, oh, I just want you to join me. Like I just, I asked them to play, but they didn't want to, which I thought was really interesting, an interesting way to handle Sai.
0: Yeah, I I thought she was great. I thought the performance was great. I thought Yael did a, a really good job. Like you were talking about, she definitely played the villain. She played the campiness of, of, you know, what a villain could be in this universe. And uh, every time she was on screen, she definitely had my attention. And I really liked the way they introduced her in the bank sequence when she goes in for the first time and, and steals all the money in the bank. And it's it's shot really well, and it has that creepy kind of music um, underscoring it, and everybody's, you know, there's close-ups of people's faces in the camera. And that, that was really scary because she really uh, – took all of those people down all of the people in the bank the security officers all of those people go down because she's controlling them and controlling their fear so i thought she did a really good job in terms of portraying that and and trying to be a villain but there were some things i didn't quite like about what they did (laughs) with the side (laughs) Like what? I'll have to like bounce my ideas off of you and see what you think. Um But I, I okay, I, sh- I should also add that I did like that they said her name, Gail Marsh, that they mentioned she was from Skokie, Illinois, which is comic book accurate. So I, I thought some of the way that they added that in was good. But honestly, I thought her motivation was really weak. She was just like, I'm robbing banks because I like money and I like having money and money equals happiness. Yeah. And I... I didn't quite under I mean I mean I guess I understand that like sure everybody wants more money everybody wants to be rich everybody wants to buy things but I didn't understand why exactly like it would, did she come from a poor family What you know yeah. was she was she struggling for most of her life did she want revenge on somebody who was rich I don't know I just I thought it was very superficial in terms of her motivation and uh, I I I think with Cy, one of the things I really like about her comic book counterpart is that she is very complex. She has a very complex characterization. She has been abused and she's been someone who sought revenge in the comics. She's been part of the Suicide Squad. So she's she's been a bad guy who tries to do some good. She has sometimes been an ally to Supergirl and helped her out. So she's she's done a lot of different things and she's been... Uh, very complex in her motivations and how she helps people or tries to uh, <laughs> go after Supergirl sometimes. Um, so I thought the whole like I just want to be rich, I just want to be happy because I have a lot of money thing was sort of I don't know superficial, weak. Uh, so I don't I don't know what your thoughts are on that.
1: Well, I I agree with you that it was it was like they they left a lot of that out and they they clearly. And and Supergirl, like, as a show, tends to do that a lot. Like, you'll have the one-off villain that, like, they they don't really get much into because they need to save room in the episode for, like, all the other stuff they have to get in there. Um, But my feeling was, like, you know, at the end, Supergirl kind of knocks her out. And I I don't know why, but the vibe I got was that this is somebody who's going to come back. You know? Like, this is going to be... This is the type of villain that, you know, we could see again, like a live wire or something like that, where, like anything that would and and maybe this is just my hope you know (laughs) I feel like like anything you know I feel like that's something they could expand on later um so I think that's the only thing that kept me from like outright thinking it was bad was that like it felt like this is the introduction of somebody that could come back to haunt Supergirl at a later date and we might find out like little bits more about her the more she appears you know. But yeah, I agree with you. It was it was very superficial. Um, although the the way that she said, and, and this is, again, shocking it up to her performance, the way she said things like money is the most important thing. Like when she said that, and maybe this is just because I did grow up a poor kid, I understood that immediately. I was like, oh, okay. Like she's been through some stuff. So maybe that was just me bringing my own stuff into it and kind of uh, filling in the blanks where they should have. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, I, my... I agree with you that it was kind of um, – they glossed over a lot that they could have done with her. Um, my hope is that because she is such a co- great complex villain that they will bring her back and add to her as the show goes on.
0: Yeah, I definitely would like to see her come back. I <laughs> I, I want more sigh, please. Uh, but I – it's tough because I, I, I wonder if they did bring – if they were going to bring her back, how would they do it? Because she was very – very much handled by the end of the episode so i i'd be curious about that um but i also since you brought up the um the idea that you know uh maybe maybe she did grow up poor maybe she uh she had those things in her life that maybe they will explore later on in in the show which i would i would love i would love more side backstory i want to know where gail marsh is from what 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 was going on in skokie illinois how did she (laughs) discover she had these psychic powers but i wonder if what she was saying to supergirl was even something she would say to herself like Was she even happy? She didn't look very happy. She was robbing banks and she had all this money, but she didn't look happy. Yeah. So I I don't even know. I I don't know if she was trying to tell her that, tell herself, like convince herself that that's what that was. So I I didn't really understand that part of her motivation. And uh, you you mentioned uh, earlier about how Sai talked about how the people she was attacking uh, didn't want to play with her. Yeah. And I, I thought that that was... That stuck out to me too because I didn't know if they were trying to insinuate with her characterization that she was sort of childlike because she, uh, she mentions a, a nursery rhyme. She, she does the, uh, the words from "Ladybird, Ladybird," yeah, which is yeah, a, a nursery rhyme uh, where she says, "Ladybird, Lady, Ladybird, lady, lady bird, fly away home. Your house is on fire. Your children will, will burn." So I, I didn't know if they were trying to give us more backstory on that, or if I was just insinuating that in my head.
1: I mean, it, it definitely. Uh, I mean, we don't know, <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, it did seem like they were they were, if if not childlike, then at least like. There's a playful aspect to her villainy, um, which, you know, is, is, you know, pretty standard for a lot of villains. Like, they enjoy toying with people. They enjoy, like, comparing, like, the people that they are... You know, committing crimes against to children.
0: Yeah, I I didn't know exactly what to make of that, and especially with the whole like wanting people to play with her, I thought it was weird that when John came John came to play, <laughs> he tried to protect Kara, um, and she got rid of him. And she says, uh, you know, someone else has come to play, and then then she does her thing, gets rid of him, and she says, just you and me now. Yeah. Well, she didn't want to play with John, so I was like, I don't I don't understand what. what what are the what are the rules of this game, side Do you want people to play with you, or do you not?
1: Yeah. Well, she just you know it's like you know you came to play, but you brought your like C game instead of your A game. So, <laughs> I, which I was like, I mean, honestly, that things like that were the things that scared me. Like you brought up before, um, like the close-ups of the people and kind of there's nothing scarier to me than having a villain who can dispatch a uh, people with very little effort, like. Her kind of walking through the bank and having people cower to the side is more scary than having somebody come in with, like, you know, weapons or even, like, you know, powers that can, like, fling you around the room, you know? It's, like, that fear is, like, so primal that I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Like, that's, that's really frightening. Um, and when she kind of got rid of John so easily, I was like, Oh, crap, like not even Martian Manhunter can like <laughs> deal with this woman. Like, that's, that's scary. Um, to know that, like, you know, the backup that you rely on in Martian Manhunter, <laughs> is like useless. It's like, Oh, crap, I'm like, really on my own. So yeah, I mean, that, that part, of her I thought was effective and that they really emphasized the fact that this power, like that the power of fear is strong. And so I liked the resolution of that at the end where the, the, the way to fight fear is to realize that it's a lie, um, that fears are based in insecurities that aren't true. They're what your brain, like, like they're what you tell yourself. Um, which It's funny, I I really loved this episode, because to me, it felt very much like, um, because it was dealing with Kara's fears, her insecurities, her bad memories. She was saying things, you know, to Alex, like, you know, all the things that used to make me happy, don't make me happy anymore. Like they don't, you know, they don't feel the same as they used to. And it really struck me as like Kryptonian depression. Like, she, she's dealing with, I mean, this to me kind of was like an allegory for mental illness and to have Kara at the end, realizing that her brain is lying to her. Like she's telling herself that she killed Monel, and, and enough so that she believed it. And Alex has to remind her, no, like that's what your brain is telling you. That's what your guilt is telling you, but that's not true. And so she's able to take that to side and be like, yeah, you're making me afraid, but fear is a lie. And now it can't hurt me anymore. Cause I know that. I thought that was huge and that was an amazing message to, to give to people that like, you know, you might be feeling these feelings and you might be going through this stuff going on in your head, but it's not real. And if you talk to somebody about it, if you, you know, let somebody else be your your sounding board and, and help them you know and have them help you like keep that perspective it doesn't have to rule your life.
0: Yeah, totally. I I really appreciated the fact that in this episode Supergirl defeats the villain using her mind, using her uh her mind over matter. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't just beat somebody up, she stood up to somebody because she was fearless. Although she does when, when she when she uh confronts Sai for the the final time, she does headbutt her. I mean, she I, love, I love that. <laughs> Which is very fitting though because, you know, all the talk about mind and and, and your brain and, and your fears and and all of that stuff that happens up top, you know, I mean, it yeah. sort of makes sense to you know knock her out with your brain yeah knock her out with your mind <laughs> uh but but totally i i th- i thought this was a really good episode uh for Kara and for her dealing with uh, dealing more with because in the premiere of season three she's also dealing with the loss of monel and how that leaves her feeling helpless and broken and she talks a little bit about that in that this episode as well and every time Kara talks about feeling broken it just it it breaks me. It breaks me in a million pieces when she talks about that because she is so strong on the outside, but in the inside, she can be just like us. She can just be, uh, she can have human emotions just like us and her heart can break just as much as ours do. And uh, I I thought that that was really uh, a nice way to show her vulnerabilities and in, in the fact that, you don't have to use kryptonite all the time. You don't have to use any kind of magical powers to knock her out. You can you can uh, defeat Supergirl by just e- drawing on her emotions. And that's what Sai did. She,
1: she knew that she could do that. To tack on to what you just said, like, it, that's possible because Kara has such a big heart. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, she, she leads with her emotions. She leads with her, like, that's, that's her guiding star. And so... That it's it's like her greatest strength, and it can also be her greatest weakness if it's exploited, and um, and that's kind of fascinating to to watch, um, to to see how she navigates that. But really, I just want to give it up to Melissa Benoist because, for 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 season three, she has been bringing her A game as far as her performance. Like I've been blown away by her this season in a way that I have not been. I mean, I, I've always thought she was super talented and amazing, and and she's been kicking butt at this part but this season she has really kicked it up like 12 levels and that scene at the end with uh with her and alex where where alex is kind of talking her down and and kind of encouraging her to get back up and and deal with Sai, like she had this look on her face that like for a moment she was so vulnerable and so like she was like a kid she was like this child that was just so beat down by what she was feeling and just that look on her face I was like oh my god this woman is so talented I can't take it um and then you know the way she gets back up and and pulls herself together I I was just so impressed with her I
0: agree and I'm really glad that season three I think I've been enjoying the start of season three more than the start of season two because I I think this is this is why I'm enjoying it more is because I feel like it's Kara's show again I feel like it's focused more on Kara and that's what I really liked because Kara is my favorite character so yes I would enjoy it more if I saw more of Kara and understood what more what was going on with her in her life and so this has been a real treat for the first two episodes at least to uh, really get a a good sense of where Kara is and what she's dealing with. And I agree. Melissa Benoist, I mean, you talk about that scene where she's just like crying and she's distraught because she thinks she's killed Monell, and and Alex does talk her through it. And then she just has to turn that corner and be determined and be ready to fight. And so she, she does that really well. Um, I was also really... Uh, uh, wowed by the speech that she gives when she's talking to Wynn and she talks about the dream that she sees or or I guess the dreamscape that Cy puts her in that um, that she tells him about seeing her mother and seeing Krypton explode and how she's reliving all of these last moments. And I, I was curious, what did what did you think about the way Sai's powers were uh, visually shown and how
1: she tortured Kara with having to relive those moments? Yeah, well, it's funny because I thought it was interesting that Sai was using her fear against her, but she didn't actually know what Kara was seeing cuz she asks her at the end what did you see i wonder like you know so she she knows she's she's getting to kara she knows she's manipulating fears that kara has but she doesn't really have any idea what Kara's is envisioning so i thought that part was interesting as far as the visuals i mean it was it was i thought really great um the kind of shaky cam movements for the you know like when she's like first in it and then it's it, it was interesting too the uh that scene in the elevator, which, <laughs> that was my, one, like, one of my bigger problems with the episode was that she broke that elevator and no one seemed to mention it. Like, <laughs> you just, like, flew, you broke the Catco elevator and, like, flew out of the roof. And no one, like, no one's supposed to know that. It's just another day at Catco. <laughs> I mean, these things happen all the time. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Um, that scene where you had that same effect of, like, you know, kind of the wooziness and the, you know, she's starting to see things and things don't look quite normal, but at that, that time, Win says there was no manipulation; that that was just her having a good old fashioned panic attack. And I thought that was interesting because it's like which which is Psy and which is just her dealing with her feelings, um, and that you like that you can't quite tell which is which. Um, but I mean, the the stuff with the uh, my favorite part was definitely her in the pod, like when she's kind of seeing herself in the pod, and you're watching what she would have seen, like being you know, shot out into space. That was heartbreaking because I think that's the first time that we've really seen that. We've seen young Kara in the pod, but seeing it through her eyes is a whole other experience. Oh, it
0: was 100% terrifying to me because she gets shot out there alone. She is in this tiny, tiny pod and there's fire everywhere. Craziness is happening. And then she gets shot into space. Where she gets jostled by this, you know, the the media or whatever that kind of knocks her into the phantom zone. And it, it just, it looks scary. It it made me feel like, what would I do if I was in that situation? I would be very scared. Especially when, if I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, she was basically a kid. I'm an adult and I was scared. It would be so much scarier as a kid. Especially when you just had to leave your parents and everything that you knew. Uh, so so I, I thought that that was a, a great way to show it. And I, I think if they got Cy right on any level in terms of her comic book counterpart and and her, uh, the way she was portrayed on the show, I think those things are what they really got right, is the way they did the dreamscapes, especially with the Sterling Gates Adventures of Supergirl uh, version, uh, because she would create these these dreamscapes that Kara had to go in. And I, I was really drawn to the, the way that the parking lot uh, so Sai and Supergirl are fighting in that parking lot, and Sai turns the parking lot into like the I, I don't know is it a launch pad? What do, what do they
1: call those things? Where where the pod was launched from? Like the the runway, I guess.
0: Yeah, like a like a runway, and it, the parking lot turns into that. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And so, and then Cy turns into a Laura. Like I, I enjoyed all of that stuff because I thought that that really captured the comic book version of Sai very well in her abilities and she's such a unique villain and i i think that really uh did a great job of of showing what she could do even though i wasn't crazy about the the Psy, you know using her her brain powers to like shoot a beam at Supergirl. I, I was like, that's got a little silly. But the way she manipulated Kara's fear and made that so real for her, I thought I thought that was very cool. Totally. So there were a couple of other things going on in this episode. One of one of the bigger things, I guess, the the next biggest thing would be Lena starting her job at Catco. Yes. She's, she's purchased Catco, saved it yes. from Morgan Edge's <laughs> clutches. <laughs> So, what did you think about uh, Lena Luther being a, a present at cat Coat? Yeah,
1: I mean, I love it. I love her. I love Katie McGrath. I love that whole business. I thought it was interesting too—the the conflict between her and James. Um, and it's funny because I've been seeing a lot of stuff online about about this, and a lot of people hate it, and a lot of people like. I know from from last week's episode, um, th- there seems to be some like clues to like lead us to believe that they might be pairing them up, like they're trying to drop that in. And I'm like, ugh, whatever, like, I could care less about that. But <laughs> what I thought was really understandable and, and awesome about the, the conflict with her being there, is that, you know, James has finally gotten to a place where he feels comfortable as the boss, because for a while he was dealing with snapper car, like calling his authority into question so for a while he was dealing with that and then it, it's like f- he finally got to a place where he was comfortable as the acting you know ceo of Catco. and then this new owner comes in and it's like yes she bought the company yes she's the boss but like pay that respect to the person that has been there you know like i but at the same time from her perspective i get like first of all being the woman coming here to like take over a- over this job and she's already has she already has her own company that she had to probably fight to like keep control of and assert herself in so like there's that there's being the new kid and having to prove yourself in that regard so I understand like her wanting to like assert dominance right away and be like listen I'm in charge now don't worry about it But I can understand him too being like, I've been here for for, like, you know, all this time. Like, don't step on my toes just because you can, you know? So I I just, I loved that dynamic. Um, And sorry, I'm like babbling now. Go for it. This part really like, um, but with her and Kara, I also loved that um, dynamic because. Kara, you know, because of her Supergirl responsibility, she can be a crappy employee. Yes. Um. <laughs> if if I, if she if she were working for me, I would I would have fired her a long time ago. <laughs> I'm like, she's honestly not that good a reporter. Like, go take some classes from Lois Lane. You were not that good. And secondly, um, you're all over the place, and you like the way she was telling Lena because like she assumes Lena is her friend, right? And like, oh, I can just tell her that I have things to do, and she'll be okay with that. And it's like, no, she's now your boss. You don't get to just tell your friend you're skipping out and that you'll do it later. Like, that's not how life works. So I loved that they had Lena call her on that. Because uh, I think that's something Cara needed to hear.
0: Yes. I think everyone who got called out in this episode deserved it. <laughs> I I, I, th- I, thought James sticking up for himself with Lena I thought was awesome. Um, I am on board with James this season. I, I don't know exactly what they did. I, maybe it's because there's less Guardian? Yeah. Oh, God. I'm so sick of Guardian. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's because, like, he feels like James Olsen. Maybe he feels like like a real character to me now. I don't know. But I have just been so, like, cheering him on this season. So When he told Lena off, like, hey, I want to be in on those meetings. I want to be included in this. I I thought I was really proud of him for sticking up for himself. And I agree that when Lena gave Kara the what, what about (laughs) being an employee, because Kara said, I want to talk about work. And Lena said, OK, fine. We'll talk about work. (laughs) Let's talk about work, (laughs) then. So I I was like, you know, Kara Kara really deserves that. She does. And I think Kara realized that by the end of the episode. Oh, yeah. she, She started to treat Lena, you know, as an authoritative person at work. And someone that she needed to respect while she was there. Um, and I, I thought it was also nice that even though they do kind of had those times where they butt heads a little bit, Lena was a good friend to Kara. She thought all of this stuff that was going on with Kara was about Monel. And truthfully, some of it is. Um, d- deep down, a lot of it is actually. Um, but I, I thought it was nice that Lena was trying to be very understanding with Kara and, and what she was going through, and so I really appreciated that. But yeah, it was, it was, it was a a, a very um, conflicting. I don't know, a very combat. Well, not combative. Maybe like less than combative. Whatever that word is uh but she she did have a little bit of a tough day she had to kind of go through some some tough waters to get uh finished with that day
1: (laughs) yeah there's one thing that i i did um at the end of the episode they have you know lena leaving for the day um and walking with eve which i i I love that eve was like on it and like that everybody knew that that she was coming in except james because like like you know eve had her coffee ready like you know knew how she liked it, did her research, knew she was coming. Kara has a present for her, knew she was coming in. And James is like, wait, what? I didn't know (laughs) you were gonna be here. He's like the only one who doesn't know that she's gonna be here. Um, But at the end, they have him giving her this look. And I was like, oh no. Like I really, I don't know how I feel about them getting romantically involved. Like I kind of really want them to be friends. But it it really seems like they were trying to tack that on at the end. And I was like, oh, why? Why can't they just respect each other as professionals?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand. It, it is, I guess, the workplace romance trope that, that happens <laughs> on shows. I, I guess they can't help themselves. We did hear back uh, at San Diego Comic-Con that James was getting a love interest this season. So I guess we know who it might be Yeah. if, if that ends up happening. I don't know how I feel about it either. I think I'd be okay with it just because... I don't know, I don't put a lot of stock into the romances on this show. I'm kinda like, Oh, if it makes the characters happy, that's great. If it's not, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I can kinda I can kinda roll with it. But I do think it would bring some good tension, especially between James and Kara and um, and and the 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 Lutherness of you know uh, James Jimmy Olsen being involved with the Luther I, I think that would bring a lot of character stuff for him so I guess I'd be okay with it
1: yeah and I, I like them both as characters and I agree with you that James this season is like leaps and bounds better than than they've written him in the past and if if Guardian never comes back I that'll be too soon <laughs> <laughs> I I think well I think it's it's because he's become more grounded in his identity as a reporter, like in journalism, in like he now that he's he's had this taste of running, you know, Catco, he he's that's kind of solidified a little bit in him and he he feels comfortable with that being who he is. Yeah. And he doesn't need like to prove himself with, with the Guardian stuff.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean I, I, I think the Guardian Shield is pretty cool. Uh I think, you know, Makad probably likes doing the superhero stuff and the fighting. But yeah, I, I've I've been enjoying the the uh, down-to-earth James Olson, regular Joe Catco employee, uh, I've been liking that a lot. And I, I thought what what was uh, before we move on from Lena and James, what I thought was interesting. You you were talking about how like uh, Eve knew what she liked and disliked. She she says that Lena uh, takes her coffee black, and I was like, of course she does, of course she does, because villains and black are a thing, and they've been <laughs> dressing Lena in all black for the most part of the season. I'm like, if you, if you want me to think that Lena is maybe a good person or a good character who does not have evil motivations, you're not doing a great job. I can see it in her wardrobe. Uh, but uh, but I did think it was interesting that with uh, the way um, Eve and Lena interacted, because Kat was very known for thinking down on her employees mm-hmm. like we all we all love cat grant of course we all do but cat thought she was superior to yeah. most people who worked for her she even had a private she had that private elevator in the first place because she she according to the pilot these are her words she didn't want to be covered in cheap cologne every morning getting to her office that is why she has the private elevator and so i thought it was a nice touch that when lena comes into Catco she's like sure Eve use the elevator I don't care whoever needs to use it use it and so I thought that that said a lot about the way Lena approaches being the boss and the way she might be changing Catco maybe for maybe for the better
1: I believe that I mean she'll always be a Luther she'll always have that baggage I genuinely believe that she is a good person she uh, as we've seen with her relationship with her mother there are certain like triggers let's get back to the title there are certain triggers for her uh as far as you know things that will kind of encourage her to make the wrong decisions from time to time like there are times when she will you know because she feels that like void of like not having been loved by her family you know compared compared to lex because there are certain things uh like that in her story on occasion i'm sure she will make a bad choice make the decision that appears like more evil than the, the good decision she should make. But I don't think she's an evil person. And I don't think that overall she will be a villain. Um, but I think there'll always be that underlying Lutherness. And I think that's good because, you know, Kara is already plenty good and optimistic and sunshiny enough for everybody. <laughs> like if Kara is who we want to be, Lena is more like us. Who we are. Yeah you know and like like we all have our baggage and we all have the days when we're not our best selves and we get you know pissy and we get angry and what have you and but we pull ourselves back and Car- and uh sorry Lena always makes the decision to pull herself back cuz she has that example in Kara and she wants to be that person um which says a lot about her.
0: Yeah, she does talk about how she wants to be like Supergirl. She wants to aspire to be Supergirl. So I think that's a good, that's a good point. It's a good way to look at it, even though she wears a lot of black. She does, I yes. She, I think she needs to maybe change her wardrobe up a, a little bit, just so I don't get suspicious.
1: It's also like, yeah, villain slash, you know, businesswoman chic. Oh, okay. All right, I'll go I'll go with that. But that's also where she needs to take a page out of Cat Grant's, you know, book. Because Cat Grant had sense of style and right. also looked professional. So... <laughs> just mix it up a little bit
0: uh just so I don't keep looking at you like a luther um but that brings the question uh so I'll, I'll I'll pose this to you Teresa do you think that Lena working at Catco is going to cause problems for Kara like moving forward
1: with her supergirl uh work that she does they had that moment right where where you think that Lena has figured it out and then she hasn't and I was kind of like oh, you know, like, again, we're gonna have to deal with the boss who doesn't know and whatever. I'm kind of disappointed in that. Like, I was hoping Lena did figure it out. Does just get her in the know already? Because I really liked the the dynamic that like, uh, Cara could just come and go at Catco, you know, like, I mean, she's a crappy employee, and she should be called (laughs) out on that. But uh, like, when when James calls her out, like, James, to me, like, in, in the first episode of the season, he calls her out on it because he's like, listen, just because you're Supergirl doesn't mean you don't have responsibilities as Kara. Like, I called you here. I used the the signal watch because you have an assignment due. Like, and that's important. Like, that's as important as whatever villain or whatever, whatever, because that's your life. And I think that, to me, was more interesting coming from a boss. You know what I mean? Like the boss knowing that she's Supergirl and still expecting things from her. Yes. So now with with Lena, you know, now we're going to play that game again of, like, I have to hide from my boss. And it's like I'm just kind of waiting for them to let Lena in on the whole thing <laughs> so she can know things because I'm like, oh, this again. Yeah, I'm sure they're saving that to to be a big –
0: uh, may, possibly a bomb that goes off, a metaphorical bomb, you know, a big uh, conflict that that will interrupt between Lena and Kara. I'm sure that's what they're doing. That's that's good drama. But I sort of wish Kara would tell her something because Lena even says, you don't have to hide from me, Kara. You don't have to hide. So I'm like, she's, she's giving her that open door and Kara's like, nope, I'm not gonna walk through it. Yep. So uh, Kara at this point if something happens with Lena and Lena finds out her secret and things blow up and Lena turns evil and wants
1: to kill her, I don't know. I mean, Kara, that might be on you. No, it's true. And, and also that just like because that, that's an interesting point having, you know, if, if Lena does go villainous, her knowing Kara's identity could be harmful to her. But also there's that thing where like, you know, you lied to me, you, you know, every day to my face, you lied. And that, you know, whereas, like, if she would have known she was Supergirl, even if Lena were a villain, she might be conflicted about going after her if they're friends. But if she lied to her and she's a villain, it's like, oh, now I don't feel anything for you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, Kara might want to just, you know, think some of these things through. Because uh, I, I know when she talks to Alex, she says, "You know, Lena asking me about everywhere I, you know, I've been going is new and horrible." So she's she's sort of thinking about it, but I don't know if she's considering her options on what to do just yet. Because uh, this is still kind of new. Lena working at CatCo is still kind of new. So she she was I think she was so used to having all of that separated. Now it's now it's all kind of coming together as one and she's got to deal with it. So I'm curious as to what happens with <laughs> with Lena being in the office. Um, And speaking of new characters uh, coming into the business world and having uh, uh, possible interactions with Kara in a a, a professional basis, uh, we get to learn more about Samantha and Ruby, Mm, uh, some some new characters to season three. So, Teresa, what do you think about uh, their storyline
1: in this episode and what they were going through? I really, really love them. and. It's funny cuz when I when I heard that um Odette Annable was going to come and play be playing Rain. You know, they announced that and I was like, "Oh god, they're going to bring like a world killer to, you know, the the show. That's amazing." And I was already excited, but I love how they are dealing with her because as of right now, she doesn't seem to know who she is, what she is. She showed these powers once. And she tried to recreate it but can't. Um, I loved that at the end she tries to bend that crowbar and she can't do it. Yeah. So it's not even, like, consistent powers. It's not even that she's hiding something from her daughter that she knows about. It's that she's trying to explain it to herself, which I think is a great way to go about it. Um, and I loved Ruby. I love the, the young actress that plays her, um, Emma something. I think Emma Tremblay is her name. Yes. But uh, – I love her and I I really love that at the end of the day, she just wanted her mom to have superpowers, not just because she wants her mom to be cool and have superpowers, but because that would mean she wouldn't have to work because she wants to spend more time with her. And I thought that was such a a real life, real kid thing to want. Because it's hard having a single parent and a single parent who has to work to support both of you. And she doesn't feel that support sometimes at home even though you know Samantha's doing the best she can and i love that the two of them have such a grounded real relationship um and that all all that ruby wants is to spend time with her mom and it's hard to to have a single mom that has to support both of you that has to go to work but Samantha's there to like reassure her that she loves her and that she's there for her and that she's her top priority so yeah i just i just love them and i love how they're they're developing the slow burn kind of reveal of Samantha and who she is. And um, I love that it's kind of going to be a surprise to her. I feel like we're going to get like a big vision one, you know, one episode where like all of a sudden she sees like already we've seen it in, in last week's episode with her seeing Allura. Yes. So we know that that's already starting to to pop into her brain, but she's still trying to make sense of it. And I, I'm really looking forward to the day when she like awakens and and that and you know realizes what her history is.
0: Yeah, I was hoping that that was Psy manipulating things, but I, I guess we'll have to figure out uh, in in the coming episodes and, and, and throughout the season like why why that's happening to her um, because we don't fully know that yet but I, I agree with you I, I really like the slow burn of what they're doing with Samantha it, it makes me want to watch the next episode like what more information are they gonna tease out what what else are they gonna tell us about her background or what she's going through um, and I, I do like Samantha and Ruby as as a mother and a, a daughter on the show I, I, was, I was sort of laughing though because I don't totally understand this is I guess I guess this is like the sci motivation like they they show them living in this really big house I mean it's a really nice house and Samantha tells Ruby you know I gotta I gotta start this new job because we got to make a lot of money and I was like well it looks like you already had a lot of money uh so I I was sort of confused about maybe it was a new uh position maybe as a promotion for her to to get this new job at 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 l corp but i was just like i don't know i could have bought it a little more if they were you know in a a a smaller house or you know were were in need a little more because it didn't sort of that, that that motivation didn't really make sense to me i was like you're already living in a swank house uh but but maybe they have to keep up that lifestyle i don't know
1: well yeah and also like i mean she needs a job period and clearly she's at the C- at the ceo level like she's she's taking over for lena so clearly she's worked up to a certain point like she's not going to be working necessarily at like a grocery store true and so but yeah like you you still need to be employed like just because you have a job like that doesn't mean that you can like be independently wealthy and stop working forever so it's like whatever whatever job she has is going to be too much of a job for Ruby because they're dependent on her entire income so it's not like she can you know like I yeah I mean I guess I had a little less trouble believing that but I think really it, it's not so much the pressure of needing to have a job so much as like it was a new job. And so she had to make a good impression. Okay. In the beginning, it was like, you know, when she has to go and in, and into the principal's office to deal with that fight Ruby got in, she says, you know, today of all days, like, and it's true, like, that would be frustrating for me as a parent, if I'm like, I'm starting, I'm taking over for a CEO at a company, and then I have to leave because my kid got into a fist fight. Like, that's, that's, you know, not ideal. And, uh, so I'm like I would have been pissed too I would have been way more pissed like, I thought Samantha handled that really well because if that were my kid
0: she did lose it a little bit with Ruby when Ruby kept, you know, asking her questions and, and wanting to talk about it a little more. And I think you're right. I think Samantha is still trying to deal with what she thinks about it, and uh, and I think that's that's what's causing a rift between them. So, yeah, I I will go with uh, with your explanation of, of the job and 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 why Samantha maybe already lives in a swank house and then has to, you know, get a new job. I I will I you you've helped me out with that. You've helped me to. (laughs) to to, to get around that hurdle because I was like, man, they
1: they are living large
0: in that house.
1: Well, and it's funny, I forget if they, when we were first introduced to them last week, did they say that, do we have any indication that they are new to National City?
0: I don't, I don't think we've been told one way or the other. On that.
1: Yeah, I don't think so either, because uh, it would be interesting, too, if like if it's not just a new job, but that she's coming, you know, she's newly in National City. Um, but yeah, we don't know. All right.
0: Is there is there anything else you wanted to hit with uh, Samantha and Ruby?
1: Um, I think they're great characters. And I like that that um, even as we're getting all the, the villains that I'm sure are coming throughout the season, I'm glad that we have them. Kind of as a through line. Because I think they're going to be like interesting characters to follow. And I'm also curious about. You know. Ruby. Because we know that Samantha has these powers. And uh, and we know from the comics at least. You know. What that means. But if Ruby is her daughter. What does that mean for Ruby? And does Ruby have powers that she's coming into? And is Ruby even her daughter? Like mm. does she only think mm. she's her daughter? I don't
0: know. Well I was just thinking. What if the twist is that. Samantha doesn't become Rain. And Ruby does instead. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Probably <laughs> not. But. I love that we're both like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying stuff. <laughs> there's a lot of good questions that are raised. Like, why can't she use her powers consistently? Where does she come from? Who's the father? Those kinds of, you know, what's the deal with the father? Because she says there is no father. Um, so I think there's a lot of questions surrounding them that I'm very curious to know the answers to. Um, so lots of, lots of good stuff there. Um Teresa, is there uh, uh, anything that you wanted to bring up that we didn't? And also, what are your overall thoughts about this episode?
1: I thought it was great. And I thought it was – I love that with these first episodes of the season that they really just hit the ground running as far as, like, uh, being really emotional and intense. And if there was ever, like, the accusation about Supergirl as a show that, like, oh, it's fluffy and it's a little too, like, you know – Like, I feel like a lot for a lot of people, the show is, like, too optimistic almost. Like, here, it's, like, it still maintains that Supergirl optimism, but it's grounded in, like, real emotions, um, which I really, really like uh, about these episodes so far. I think that the show has gotten so much better about dealing with Kara as a person, dealing with, you know, everybody, all the other characters surrounding her at the DEO, you know, Alex and Maggie and, like, everybody, like... Oh, actually, we could talk about that and about their marital problems <laughs> or their, uh, you know, because that was a big bomb that, like, you'd think they would have discussed kids before now. You would think. All of a sudden, you know, Maggie drops this bomb like, oh, I never really saw myself having kids. I hope that's okay with you. And it's like, you haven't talked about this yet. What's wrong with you people? So I, I thought it was interesting that they were, like, arguing about the DJ and the band, but it wasn't really about the DJ and the band. It's about other stuff that is that they clearly disagree about and haven't addressed. So that's something else too, that I'm kind of waiting to see how that plays out. Um, I'm like, I really want them to stay together cause they are so cute. I don't want any harm to come to them cause I'm, I'm definitely a Sanvers shipper, but at the same time, I, you know, I feel like there's trouble in paradise for those two. And, uh, Rightfully so, because they don't, you know. It seems like there's a lot that they don't talk about to each other. Their communication is not great. Um, long story, long story, long. Uh, I loved triggers. I thought it was uh, a great episode, and I'm loving. The start of the season so far.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of things going on there with Maggie and Alex that I guess we'll we'll need more info on in the future. But I I would agree with you that uh, the season has started off really strong. Uh, I've enjoyed both of these uh, two episodes that we've gotten so far. And triggers I thought was really great because to me it reemphasized that Kara is is so good because she's come from something that's so traumatic and she has overcome it she's able to get over her broken brokenness she's able to get over her fears and and still be strong and still be there for other people and i that that's that's what i love about supergirl i think i think she's an awesome character because she shows that you you can pick yourself up and you can you can have that mind over matter and you can you can defeat some of those demons that are in your brain and in your life and you can and you can get over that and I, I think that's really wonderful for the show and i that's that's why i don't mind some of the darker tone this season is that this is a way to see that it's a way to show her overcoming those things and uh so i really enjoy that and um just a real some real quick things that i wanted to mention. Uh, i loved that we got to hear and see uh Kara speak kryptonian again mm. we got to see a little bit of uh we get to we got to hear some Kryptonian being spoken last season in Last Children of Krypton. uh Kara and Clark or Cal or Superman, whatever you want to call them. they spoke Kryptonian uh, to each other. So it was nice to see that again. I thought it was nice to see Kara and how she would deal with what was going on with her in, in, a, in a in a you know an old fashioned Kryptonian way. Yeah, where she had that that uh. Uh, the uh, oh, meditation, what Medi- the, med- the Kryptonian meditation that she was doing. Thank you. Um, so I, I thought that was great. Um, I was worried for Kara in the elevator because her panic attack left her sort of vulnerable in terms of her secret identity. Mm-hmm. Her glasses fell down. She had her, her S- shirt open. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was like, if somebody has to hop on that elevator, you are in trouble. <laughs> uh, so so good thing for her. Nobody needed to go up or down. Uh, so that was good. Um, And I I just really, I liked uh, Cy for the most part. I did have some problems with her motivation, but I thought she was a good villain and I hope we get to see more of her. And I also agree with you that the, it seems like it's going to be a season long arc with Samantha and Ruby and finding out more with them. And I really like when shows do that because it makes me want to, Keep coming back, so I'm, I'm glad uh, that that is the way that they've chosen to approach her. Because I'm very interested in seeing where they go with it, and I also really liked uh, that we got to see Car watching the Wizard of, Wizard of Oz again. <laughs> I'm a bit, I'm a big sucker for Car watching classic film, and we found out in. Uh, duet of last season. That Kara's favorite movie is The Wizard of Oz, so mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense. Very fitting for her reliving things from Krypton and wanting to be home. Uh, that's very that's very Dorothy like. I <laughs> think so. It's very very fitting for her. Totally. But yeah, so I, I thought this this was a, a really great episode, and uh, uh, I think. Uh, We've got some uh, more good things coming. So I think that's going to do it for our discussion of triggers. But uh, Teresa, if you don't mind, if you would
1: help me to find out what our listeners had to say about this episode. The Devil Jackie on Twitter said, this was one of my favorite episodes of the series. It hit every emotional beat strong and brought back elements from season one, 10 out of 10. Truffle Munchies says, this was a solidly built episode for the start of the season. The episode's strength mostly lies in its use of show, not tell. Zan Danny uh, said, pretty solid episode. I enjoyed how they didn't gloss over Kara's trauma. And I always love some Danvers sister moments. I do too.
0: <laughs> yeah, me me too. And we didn't really talk about that moment with the two of them uh, when Alex comes back to the apartment. And and, and Kara says, well, you know, if I don't have Supergirl, what do I have? And Alex says, you got me. And I was like, oh, that's so good. Yeah. good scene. So I, I, I agree. It was, it's
1: good to see more of those moments on the show. Definitely. Uh, Bailey Gray, 789 said, loved evil Petra, AKA Psy, uh, did not care for Ruby at all. Danvers sisters are everything. Hashtag team Lena. There's a lot of feelings in that tweet. <laughs> <laughs> loved loved Psy. Don't like Ruby. Danvers sisters are everything. Love Lena. Great. <laughs> it's like everything. That covers it. Mark HP PWM, uh, said hated that they made Psy just plain evil, but loved seeing Eve. Chris Fundalinsky said it was interesting to see Krypton exploding from Kara's point of view and feel her fear, loneliness, and claustrophobia in her pod. Manatee underscore walrus said it was an emotional ride, but I loved every minute of it. NerdyGeek77 said I liked it a lot. I liked how they discussed Kara's trauma. Sisters were awesome like always. I think I enjoyed it more than the premiere. Hmm. Uh, shop 23 said love that they showed it's okay to feel fear and guilt seriously though cat grant would have noticed that hole in her building thank (laughs) you very much i'm like you don't just bust an elevator like that she owes somebody money um and then hashtag hashtag obvious lena or or, uh oblivious lena yeah oblivious lena you're right um but yeah seriously like i want the episode where she's like hey wait a minute (laughs) there's a big hole in there
0: (laughs) Well, where aren't there security cameras
1: or surveillance or something? I, yeah, I don't know. Somebody's somebody's got to do something about the hole and notice that like Supergirl flew out of the building. Doogie four forty eight said, "I'm confused. Does Lena show, does Lena know Kara's secret or not? She knows about Monel, but not that she's Supergirl."
0: Yeah, I've been confused about that since the end of season two because she knew that Kara, Kara and Monel were a thing, and that Monel was on. This ship with C- Queen Rhea, I believe. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know why she wouldn't
1: connect the dots there. Yeah, I mean, I think she just thinks that Kara was dating an alien. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's,
0: that's the only thing that makes sense.
1: She's going to figure it out soon, I'm sure. Kat did. She will, too. Um, true underscore just underscore Brian says, How does Kara not know that one certain, that the one certain place to have a security camera in an office building is the elevator? Bad place to change. Um <laughs> agreed. Gustavo Ram writes great episode, Psy was fire. But nobody at Catco apparently noticed a huge hole in the building. Definitely not the greatest investigative reporters. Jean Mars teased to close it out. Hype. And yes, that's something we didn't talk about was uh McGon. Reaching out to Jean and telling him to go to Mars. That's a pretty big deal to to drop at the end. Surprise, Miss Martian appearance. Liked it. Patamello 20. Nobody missed the massive hole in the elevator uh, slash building. Alex and Maggie really need to talk less about bands and more about kids. Everybody's concerned about the hole. It's not. It's not just you, Teresa. I know. It's like. It's like. Thank you. I'm not. I'm not crazy. Um, Little Hopi says wonderful episode, but they better mention in the next episode the fact that Kara put a giant hole in Catco. Uh, Madtown Davidson said I liked how the episode dealt with the Monel fallout, and if I'm honest, I liked Lena telling off Kara for being a bad employee. I mean, she's not wrong. No, she's not. Um, S- uh, CEO L Stan said. Who knew Alex was such a great shrink? Exactly what are Sam's qualifications to take charge of L Corp? Sure, we'll get into that. Uh, Israel K 26,000 said, The tone was amazing. So many women on screen. Love Kara's interactions with Wynn Lena, and Alex. Very honest. I've missed Catco and Sister Time. Also, I feel this episode centered around mental health being just as important as physical health. Relating to the I Don't Mind campaign. Yeah, um... For more information uh, on the I Don't Mind campaign that Chris Wood has been a champion for, along with Melissa Benoist, Jeremy Jordan, and others in the Berlantiverse, uh, the Arrowverse, uh, you can visit idontmind.com.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's been making the rounds on social media, so you can go check that out if you want to find out more about the I Don't Mind campaign. And I also uh, would agree about uh, getting to see Kara with Wynn. Uh, in a scene again, it was nice to see their friendship being uh, brought back into the forefront and get to see them have a little time together because it had been a while since we'd gotten to see the two of them really talking. So I was in- I was enjoying that as well. Uh, We have an email from Daryl who writes, quote, Lena was referencing, uh, talking about uh, in last week's uh, Supergirl radio for Girl of Steel, uh, Daryl writes, Lena was referencing the Michael Douglas movies of the 90s, not the 80s, and I was surprised that you missed the line about Snapper Carr being on sabbatical, unquote. Um, First things first. I totally misheard the Michael Douglas reference. I thought, I assumed because they were talking about, you know, Michael Douglas's charisma and everything. I assumed they were talking about the 80s because that's when, that's like peak Michael Douglas. Yeah. uh, Was from the 80s. Not so much the 90s. The 90s is like basic instinct, falling down. Not what I think about when I think about, like, (laughs) you know, charismatic Michael Douglas. So I I think my brain just assumed 80s instead of 90s. Uh, But I want to thank Daryl. I want to thank Dr. Ange, 70, and... At half wolfs on Twitter for correcting me. I appreciate the correction and pointing it out. It's been changed in my notes. So if I ever have to reference it in the future, I will say 90s, not 80s. So thank you all for mentioning that. And I just wanted to put that out there on the podcast so we, so we had corrected it. And uh, about Snapper Car's sabbatical mention, uh, sometimes when you're podcasting, you don't get to hit everything you want to just for, for a, a time standpoint. Uh, but I did have it in my notes. Uh, So I was going to mention on the podcast, just never got around to it. But since Daryl mentioned Snapper Car and how the show uh, and and since the show this week set us up so perfectly for this, I thought, Teresa, uh, that we could do a little snap judgment. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. So, Teresa, since uh, Alex and Maggie were debating this, uh, DJ or band, what do you say? DJ. I'm going to go DJ. No judgments on your snap
1: judgments. (laughs) That's the easiest game I've ever played. (laughs) Matt also wrote in with some thoughts uh, about Lena and James. Matt writes, quote, Lena going into boss mode was pretty awesome, and James needs to chill. I kind of agree with Lena's reasoning of why she didn't invite James into these pep talk meetings. Uh, I guess she's just not introducing herself, and she's rightfully assuming that James being the CEO has to deal with more important things. But even if it was bad judgment from Lena, he could have asked or expressed his wishes to be present in these meetings in a better way. I think they're just forcing the tension between them because I strongly believe they're going to pair Lena and James. I really enjoyed the chemistry between Katie and Raul Coley last season, but with James Lena, I just don't see it. End quote.
0: Yeah, it seems like they might be going there, uh, so we'll have to see what happens and, and what their dynamic is like moving forward. Uh, and we have another email from a completely different Matt. We had we had lots of mats, uh this week who writes, uh, quote, what a great episode with so much going on. Our first real introduction to Sam was well handled. I'm really intrigued to see where the season takes her and how they will handle her journey, her journey. Finally, getting to see Sai was fun. I would have liked more of her, but hopefully she will be showing up again soon. It would be great for the writers to expand her character and build a real working relationship between her and Supergirl. I like the introduction of Lena as the boss of CatCo. The dynamic between her and James should make for some interesting drama. Plus, her character getting more time with the cast is a great thing. And more Miss Tussmacher! <laughs> uh, Matt uh, goes on to say, Kara finally coming to terms with her feelings of guilt about Monel was beautifully acted. Melissa Benoist always shines in the toughest emotional scenes, and I'm glad to see Cara uh, start to admit to both herself and her friends that she still has a lot of healing to do. And uh, Matt uh, concludes his email with finally, I was so happy to see the return of Danvers' sister time. This uh, Danvers' sister's time there's a, a plural there uh this was something sorely missing from last season and i have a feeling that their emotional bond will be more important than ever for them this season unquote mm. so thank you for uh writing in uh, matt with those thoughts i definitely agree it's uh it's been nice to see them uh have some more sister time and i'm I'm glad to see that become uh, uh come back into the the forefront of, of what the show is about because i think the uh the the heart of the show are, are is the
1: sisterly bond between Kara and Alex. That is the real love story of of Supergirl. Of the show is is Kara and Alex. Uh,
0: well, thank you to everybody who wrote in with uh, your tweets and your emails, and uh, uh, it's it's good to see everybody's uh, usernames and see everybody back in it uh, with Supergirl season three. So thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts. Uh, well, I think that's going to do it for uh, our thoughts, for the feedback from our listeners for uh, Triggers in Season 3. Uh, Teresa, thank you so much for coming back to Supergirl Radio and talking with me about this episode and being my co-host yet again, <laughs> even if it's just for just for this week. Uh, thanks so much for filling in uh, and, and chatting about this episode. Where can our listeners
1: find you on the internet if they don't already know? Sure. Um, and thank you so much for having me again. Uh, you can always find me every day at... At uh, the Mary Sue. That's themarysue.com. Um, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Teresa Jacino. That's T-E-R-E-S-A-J-U-S-I-N-O.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, been nice to hear your voice and hear hear you uh, talking about Supergirl again. Uh, it's a real thrill to have you back,
1: and I'll, I'll happily come back anytime if I can.
0: <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Maybe maybe one of these days we'll get get you with with like my dream is to have everybody from Supergirl Radio on together. That that would that would be my dream. So we'll have, we'll have to make that happen sometime. Uh, well, if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678 718 7252. Uh, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play and iHeartRadio, and we have a playlist on Spotify. So check that out. I think that was actually Teresa. I think that was your suggestion uh, back in the day. We've kept that. We, we've kept that up and. Uh, You can even hear some of the music from Triggers. So uh, go uh, check out our Spotify playlist. And we are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com forward slash dc-fans. And of course, we are on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you'd like to uh, give us a rating and write us a review, you can do it over there. And if you are overwhelmed with everything I just told you, you can go to supergirlradio.com and all of these links will be on the right side of the page. So uh, you don't have to remember it or uh, try to write all of this stuff down, you can just go to supergirlradio.com and find all of our links there.
1: And uh, as you know, Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV podcast network. So if you also like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie classic DC TV shows and the upcoming Black Lightning, Krypton, and Titan shows. It's a lot to be excited about. You can subscribe to DC TV Podcasts on iTunes and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook.
0: Yeah, we've added some podcasts since <laughs> since you've been on Zebra Girl Radio. This is doubled.
1: This whole network has like doubled since <laughs> I last <laughs> was here.
0: Yeah, so so we've got some uh, good shows on DC TV Podcasts and you can go to iTunes or wherever you get podcasts podcast and subscribe to DCTV podcasts and you can get a big mega feed and all of our podcasts are on that feed. So anytime uh any episode from any of our podcasts shows up, it will be on that feed. And you have them all in one place. So if you'd like to do that, subscribe there. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid. That's D-E R B Y K I D. I've been trying to stay with my last week I said I was going to just tweet and respond in all emoji. I did that uh, for a little while. It's been a little more difficult because people keep asking me like questions that I have to like type out responses to. It's a little hard to like uh, respond in in full in in real uh, good detail with all emoji. But I'm still trying it. It's, <laughs> it's my big Twitter experiment. So we'll see if I can keep that up. Uh, you can check out some of the pictures I take on Instagram at the Derby Kid. Uh, that's T-H-E-D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. Been playing around with some black and white pictures and uh, so. I been having a good time there uh you can check out any videos of mine over at youtube.com uh slash duckmilkprod that's d-u-c-k-m-i-l-k-p-r-o-d And I haven't mentioned it in a while, but I'm a contributor to JLU Podcast. Uh, So if you like the movies of uh, the DC films, uh, the DC Extended Universe, even though I don't think that's the official name, that's what all the fans call it. Uh, If you're a big fan of the DCEU, check out JLU Podcast. Uh, You can find that over at uh, JLUniverse, jluniverse.automatic.com. Uh, we re- we recently recorded an audio commentary for Wonder Woman, so you can cue us up to your copy of the film to it if you would like to hear our thoughts. So definitely check out JLU Podcast. Well, I think that's going to do it for our discussion and all of our plugs. Uh, but if you want to hang out for a quick spoiler section for next week's episode of Supergirl, we'll be doing that after our theme music. But until then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And remember that your fears don't define you. If you're going to Mars, Kara's going with you. Going back would be a suicide mission. Yep. This is your home?
1: I'm the only green Martian left.
0: I'm sorry, Jean. There's another
1: one. It's me, Father. Supergirl. All new episode next Monday at 8, 7 central on The CW.
0: And we are back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called Far From The Tree. The official description reads, quote, Eliza throws Alex and Maggie a wedding shower, which causes Maggie to reach out to her estranged father. Supergirl joins jo- ah. Supergirl joins Jean, that's hard to say, lots of J's, <laughs> on a personal mission, unquote. So Teresa, what in this uh, description is sticking out to you? Yeah, I mean, I
1: Definitely. I'm am, am, uh, excited to find out more about Maggie's history because she's alluded to it before. She's talked to Alex about it. But the fact that she's actually going to be, you know, making contact. Um, and, and that's the thing with a wedding. It's like it's always, you know, you have to deal with family. You have to deal with your past. You have to deal with memories and and stuff because that's the kind of event it is. So I'm very much looking forward to uh, Maggie dealing with her father. And I also wonder, you know, We already got a little bit of Alex's feelings about, you know, Jeremiah not being there and what that'll do for her, so... That's what stuck out to me.
0: Maggie's father is going to be played by Carlos Bernard, which if uh, if you watch 24 like I did, he was a, a, a big... <laughs> I, d- I don't want to say anything about what he, he did on 24, just in case you have it. I don't want to spoil anything. But he was a pretty prominent figure in the 24 lore. Uh, so I'm excited to see him uh, in next week's episode just because ha- it's been a while since I've seen him on my TV. Um, I'm really excited about getting to go to Mars that's been on, the, I think, the Supergirl radio wish list for a while. We've we've wanted to see them go to Mars, so I'm excited to see more about that. And uh, Eliza coming back, yes, I like Helen Slater on the show, and I'm excited to to see what uh, what happens with this wedding shower. I have a feeling it might not go well. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's, oh, no. there's <laughs> something. This is get a feeling. I, I have a feeling there's gonna be some drama, some tension. Uh, it, it might might get a little awkward. Uh, as things happen uh, to do sometimes in uh, primetime TV shows, it it may it may be wonderful. They may get a lot of great gifts, uh, <laughs> play some play some, play some games, eat some you know uh, finger foods, uh, but I have a feeling that. Uh, that the uh, wedding shower might be a bit of an awkward place for families to, uh for a family together uh so we'll have to see if that happens uh or if it, it it might go swimmingly it might go great for uh the the danvers and uh for for maggie when her father comes into town so uh We'll have to see about next week. Yep. Uh, but I think I think that's going to do it for our spoiler section. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with a new episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.